People want to believe. We tell each other, just read the Bible. But what happens when it just isn't easy to understand? This is No God. You're listening to the No God Podcast. I am here today with my mom and dad, Tony and Sandy Kafka. What do we have to talk about today? Mike, I was thinking about a very influential lady in my life when I was junior, senior in high school, but especially my senior year of high school. And then after that, um, we called her Grandma Carpenter. Her name was actually Mildred Carpenter. And she wasn't actually my grandmother either. But she was a very significant woman in the church that I was in as a junior and senior in high school. And I kind of wanted to talk about her just for a moment because she was the person that really had heard God's call in my life to go into vocational ministry. And so she didn't even really like say that's what I was going to do. She just knew that I had decided to go to a Christian college to explore the possibility Mm -hmm. that that might be a calling. And so she immediately uh, began to pray and she had her group of ladies that she led in a class that prayed. And then initially right at that very first semester of school, she rallied people to pay just a little bit of my schooling which wasn't terribly expensive back in those days anyhow, (laughs) but still it was was a great encouragement. (laughs) And so then over a period of uh, semesters and then what became years, she just continued to find people and to encourage the church there to, to support me as I had made a decision to go into vocational ministry. And she just was always an encourager. And the thing that stood out to me all these years later is how significant it is that she saw that call, listened to it, and took action, and really led my life toward being able to hear that call even more plainly. And so, interestingly enough, when I, five years later, when I got done with school and graduated, Mm -hmm. home church asked me to come back, wanted to ordain me to ministry. Mm -hmm. And so, Grandma Carpenter was there, of course, just proud as punch (laughs) in a lot of ways. But uh, she had a conversation with my mother at that reception, and she just said to my mother, well, Tony's a minister now, my work is done. And she died two weeks later. <laughs> like, my work is done, done. Yeah, done, 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 done. And <laughs> wow, that was like, um, that actually, at the time, it was like, really like, you know, kind of frightening, or at least, you know, kind of unnerving. But through the decades, that has resonated with me as a realization of the importance of her leadership in my life in mm-hmm. a in a very a directive way, which was she was talking to God about me and God was doing what she asked. <laughs> and uh, there I am. I'm still this more than 40 years later, still in vocational ministry. Wow. So that's my story. I know that Sandy has a story as well. Oh, yeah? Well, mine's not as dramatic as Tony's. <laughs> but um, when I was a junior high, high schooler, um, well, in junior high, seventh grade, I had a teacher uh, called Mrs. Groover. And she had Groover? been... Groover? Groover. And um, she and her husband had been missionaries for years and years. And then they retired and were working at this children's home where my parents worked. Um but she, and she was definitely a, a, a leader in Bible knowledge and stuff. And she taught me so many things. Um, and it's interesting that when I went off to college, 
and came back and I would go see her. Yeah. She was my mentor. She taught me a lot. She, um, but one of the first questions she asked me, because she knew I was taking an Acts class. I think it was that's the class mm-hmm. it was. Tony can verify that. On the book of Acts. On the book of Acts. There we go. Not, yeah, not a Acts chop chop. <laughs> Mom was throwing axes <laughs> yeah, at college. Threw, they threw was axes that an elective? <laughs> anyway, and she said to me, what are they teaching you about um, when the Holy Spirit came down on the people in the building? Were there any women there? And I said, no, it was just the disciples and stuff. And she set me straight on that. <laughs> she got the Bible out and she showed me that nice. women were, were present and that women, you know, she felt very strongly that women were allowed to use their gifts in the church and stuff. So that was a my first influencer in realizing that, um, you know, God gifts gifts to us all and Mrs. Gruber definitely used her to influence not just girls but teenage boys as they, she had them in her classes and stuff so, nice. and she'd anyway. been a missionary with her husband yeah I mentioned that yeah yeah, yeah. and even after Tony went into ministry and we were married um, she definitely I would come back and she mentored me through a lot of <laughs> church issues and being a pastor's wife and, yeah Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Great yeah. So there's a lot of personal reasons that that your mother and I um, really are have strong convictions about women in leadership. Those are personal stories uh, because there are just still a lot of folks over the decades that we've been in ministry have have not seen um, that the Bible allows or directs women to be leaders in churches. And so this podcast is really going to talk about those misconceptions, just in the sense of just putting them, putting a different view on that. And also just to kind of walk through New Testament passages and just say, here's a leader, here's a leader, here's a leader. We'll get to that. But I also kind of want to just kind of a parenthesis or kind of like a stop before then. Yeah. Go back a hundred years. And in the history of the churches that your mother and I have been a part of all these years, uh, it's called Christian churches. They're called Churches of Christ in some parts of the country. Anyway, it's it's a non-denominational, congregationally governed group of churches. There's lots of them. And so they've always had like publications, like a publication called Christian Standard that kind Mm -hmm. of was a weekly that kept them connected, even though there wasn't like a denominational hierarchy. So that magazine actually has a couple of interesting stories about women. Now, women have never been like large numbers of women leading in those churches. Mm -hmm. But here's a couple of amazing examples that they went ahead and published in this Christian standard. So there was nobody being a gatekeeper saying, oh, we can't make these reports about women doing stuff because women can't be leaders. They just said, here it is. Here here are women leading. So let me just give you a couple. How, how, what's the date on this? Well, the date of the first one is 1888. 1888. Wow. 1888 on the American, well, not, not really not the frontier. Not really the frontier anymore at that point. Yeah. Uh, it's really getting settled. And so in that, um, there's a lady named Clara Babcock who was ordained in that year. And she served as a minister of a church in Erie, Illinois for 15 years. And then she ministered at a series of churches in that part of the country, Illinois, Indiana, and then eventually North Dakota, probably mission work at that point. Mm-hmm. According mm-hmm. to her obituary that was recorded in that magazine, Christian Standard, at the time of her death in 1924. 1924. So that's like, you've got 12 years, 24 years, so that's a 40, almost a 40-year 40 span of serving. 
She had baptized 1,502 people. Wow. wow. Converted and baptized. Now, there was another lady named Sarah McCoy. Great name. Her, made, her married name was Crank. That's <laughs> kind of funny. So she was Sadie Crank. She was ordained in 1892. She served churches in Illinois and Missouri. And according to her 1948 obituary, she had organized or reorganized 50 churches and had baptized over 7,000 people. Wow. And a thousand funerals. And had conducted a thousand funerals. <laughs> I think you call that a pastor, an evangelist. You call him a church leader. Yeah. I don't know. So it's like, let's just say, there we go. So if women can't be leaders, what are those two ladies? Yeah, what, are they, what were they doing? Well, what were they doing? Mm -hmm. And were all the people that they baptized like invalid you know, conversions, right. they have to go be converted by a man. Mm -hmm. No, we, we see the kind of the absurdity yeah. of that. And so I kind of want to just walk us through a little bit on this podcast about some clear Bible, New Testament teachings about why we know that women are leaders in churches. Yeah. And it kind of starts off with that Acts chapter 2, the one that Sandy referenced that Mrs. Groover had asked her about, about women. And in that, the Apostle Peter uh, is quoting from the the prophet Joel, Old Testament prophet, Jewish prophet. And when he's explaining to people what's going on, because there was the speaking in tongues, and that when and we don't really need to, to get into what that was, except we do know that there were more than 5,000 people there that understood in their own language what was being taught to them or what was being yeah. preached to them about Jesus Christ as the Christ, the Son of God. And so he's doing that. And so people are saying, what is, you know, what's going on? You guys are drunk or you guys are crazy or whatever. And Peter is explaining, no, this is, this is the visitation. This is the, the, the dwelling of the Holy Spirit sent by Jesus Christ, who is the Lord and the Son of God. And this spirit is empowering this event, this speaking in tongues, this preaching of the gospel. And so to proof it, his proof text say, this is why we as good Jewish people, now believers in Jesus, understand where this come from. It was prophesied about. And so in the book of Job, the Apostle Paul um, goes on to say that this is what, this is Acts chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, meaning the times of the Messiah, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Now, that would have been enough, actually. All people, that's men and women. Mm -hmm. But no, let's keep it even more specific. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Peter connects that prophecy of Joel with this establishment of the church and the clear indication that there is no distinction between genders when it comes to the spirit's giftedness yeah. on people. I think, well, there we go. Into the podcast. All right. We have it down there. <laughs> if you uh, want to hear more. <laughs> <laughs> but there are lots of other passages and actually on my blog, I have a lot more detail that a person could go to and see and, and, I just would reference that. But I kind of want to just kind of walk us through and let's just talk about these. There are actually seven possible ways or roles 
that women are shown in the New Testament to lead in the church. So these are seven examples of women leadership in the New Testament. Right, and seven different kinds of leadership. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit of a list, but let's just kind of talk about these women. They're just pretty right. interesting. So kind of just, first of all, we, uh, Peter talked about that they're going to prophesy. So we know that there are prophets in the book of Acts. There's some models of that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It talked about that. And there was, a, there was this cultural uh, kind of uh, uh, instruction to women in the Corinthian church. They were supposed to, if they were going to pray and prophesy publicly in the church meeting, because mm -hmm. prophesying is a function of leadership, then they were to have their head covered. Because that was the custom of that area of a woman who was not promiscuous and also wasn't like a crazy lady. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. Was that like a with a with a pillowcase or just like a hat? <laughs> um, I don't know. They didn't take any pictures and send it forward. <laughs> no, they're more of the kind of the scarf head thing that covered. Um, so it didn't necessarily cover their faces. It just covered their head. And... Again, Paul just says that's something you need to do. He says, because obviously there were women who were not covering their heads to pray and prophesy in the church. Mm -hmm. And he's saying, ladies, you're free to do that, but you are uh, making people uncomfortable and they're not going to take you seriously. They are concerned that you have a different agenda than Christ. Now, we would say, oh, I don't even get that. And that's true because it's a cultural mm -hmm. thing. So right. we don't really get that. But that's what it was. But the fact that he gives them instructions to cover their heads says, well, they weren't told to shut up. Right. Just don't weird mm -hmm. people out. Just don't weird people <laughs> out. Actually, that'd be a good instruction for anybody, any church leader. That's right. Right. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's one. So profit is profit. one of the leadership mm -hmm. things. The church, at, uh, Ephesians chapter four, the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Mm -hmm. Well, there you go. That's those are big jobs. Yeah, uh, we have a New Testament because of prophets. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. another role. This one is a little less like uh, gangbuster. It's like this is a, seems to be a little more common. But that is that there were women who were co-workers, identified as co-workers of the evangelist. Quote the, the apostle Paul. Paul was preaching the gospel. Right. They were on his team. He says to them in Philippians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, two ladies, Euodia and Syntyche. Uh, you know, again, those are not... Syntyche? Syntyche? Sin. Sin. S-Y-N. Because that would be like a name nowadays. Um, <laughs> it would, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, uh, like, who knows? Names? Yeah. So they were co-workers and they were women. Priscilla was a woman. She was a co-worker of the Apostle Paul. She was a teacher as well. Romans chapter 16, verse 12. There's a lot of people listed, but there are ladies named Tryphena and Tryphosa and Persis, women who have worked very hard in the Lord. The Apostle Paul notes them. There they go. He just says, hey, here's some women. These are them. They're wonderful people. They're working with me. Mm -hmm. Respect mm -hmm. them. That kind of thing. So that's another role. Others were like Priscilla and Aquila. Priscilla's the lady, Aquila's the guy, in case okay. people are not familiar with those names. And she's always mentioned first when they're and they're married? mentioned. They're married. Mm -hmm. okay. They were Jewish, but believers in Christ. And they traveled around and they met up with Paul. And they were fundamentally a host or co-host 
of a house church. Their home was the place that the church met, which also tells us they weren't in poverty mm-hmm. because the house would not have been big enough for the church okay. to meet it. So they had to, they had levels of income or resources that they could host the church. Now the churches weren't like 50, 60, 70, 80 people, right. but they still were more than three or four that could mm-hmm. fit into a very small place. But they were close. And, and in this case, Priscilla and Aquila, uh, it's unusual that she's mentioned first. And we also will see in a little bit here another function that Priscilla serves. Mm-hmm. So co-host okay. of a church, prophet who prays and prophesies. We already mentioned that one. Mm-hmm. Um, an apostle. Now, this one is really, some people go, what? An apostle? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. <laughs> This is again in Romans chapter 16, verse 7. Junius, Junius is just named as one of the apostles. Now, I will say that some people in the translations or in interpreting translations are so uncomfortable with that that they figure out ways to say, no, no, she was just like known by the apostles or she just like hung out with the apostles. She wasn't actually an apostle. She was an apostle groupie? Is that yes. what they're saying? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> This might be just a moment. Again, some people think the 12 apostles, mm-hmm. she wasn't one of the 12, obviously. She wasn't named in that list. Right. There were the 12 apostles, which were Jesus' designated apostles. But then yep. there were other people that were called apostles in the early church that were noted by the apostles and were empowered by the the 12 apostles. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so that's what she was. She was maybe calling. Yeah, one woman. And we know there were some men that were also called apostles that were not in that list of 12. Right. So again, church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. It's It's not just the 12 apostles, it is that these two gifts from the Spirit were, or depends on what church group you're in, still are foundational gifts of the church. But Mm -hmm. they are leaders, they are top leaders yeah. these, these are not helpers on the team right mm-hmm. these are the leaders so that's one of the one of the roles another one is a teacher of and in particular because this is an issue for some people a teacher of an adult male this is priscilla teaching apollos who was a learned jewish man who was from alexandria egypt alexandria egypt was the home of the largest library in the Roman world. Yeah. And he was a scholar and he also uh, was trained in rhetoric. In other words, he was a yeah. public speaker. And he was not he was not aware of the <clears throat> Holy Spirit being a gift from as as a continuation of following Jesus Christ. He was only teaching a baptism of John the Baptist. And so Priscilla and Aquila, Priscilla mentioned first Take him, call him, you know, invite him to their home, and they correct him privately, and she is involved in that. And so here's a woman who is a leader, and is and is recognized as a leader by a significant male figure, educated yeah. believer, had already been traveling and preaching Jesus. He just had been preaching the baptism of John the Baptist instead of the the faith or the believer's baptism of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so she was in involved in that. Now these are these are short stories that people right. are not as aware of, but she was a teacher of a man. And then we have, last of all, a 
she sir uh, we have a woman named Phoebe mm-hmm. who was a deacon or a leader because she's actually there's two terms used for her in this very short passage in Romans chapter 16 verses 1 and 2 it tells us that it Paul Paul says you know you know greet Phoebe you know take care of her she's a she's a servant a deacon or deaconess mm-hmm. as translators will do with that sometimes but she was an interesting thing is that in that passage of scripture, it tells us that she was a protectoress, a patron, a helper. Most of the current popular English translations say that she was a helper of many. Right. That yeah, is I've about heard the, that. That is the most benign mm. possible translation mm. of that word. Interesting. Because the word is prohistomy, which is the Greek word, but basically the 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 significance is that it's to stand before. And so it's a word of leadership. It's used of men leaders in the New Testament. Right. But when it comes to Phoebe, all of a sudden we have a helper, not a leader. That's interesting. Now that's just, just a little disconcerting to people when they think about English translations. Helper is a valid translation of it, but it shouldn't be the first choice right. since she's put forward as a person of leadership and notability she's mentioned by name for crying out loud and she's mentioned as the first person in this long list of 20 some other people yeah and any place else you run across that word that's not the word that they go with no so they literally went with that word because it started with with a woman yes huh well that's (laughs) that's what it seems that's what it seems and for that period of time and they would Right. When that was translated. Now, in the Roman yeah. world, in the Roman world, this was a common title for a woman who was a patron of various people. Be like, be, it'd be as like a Mrs. Groover mentor person to Sandy, or it would be a person who was civically kind of like patron of a movement or patron mm-hmm. of a group or something like that. And so that had that aspect of it, but that's a leader. I mean, if you're paying the bills you've got the final say yeah <laughs> let's just you know go where the money is you know i mean that, that that's kind of a cynical view but she was spreading her influence through her resources and so she's a patroness caring for the affairs of others aiding them with their resources we should really notice that connection and that word is used also in first uh, timothy chapter 5 verse 17 about men about mm-hmm. elders huh so, we are actually going to talk about women and eldership in our next podcast. So, I'm not going to even attempt that because, because of the fact that it never says a woman is an elder. And I don't want to get too sidetracked here, but there's a lot of reasons that people get really um, definitive up. and hung up about that. I don't want to, you know, I mean, there's a valid sense of well, the Bible needs to say this plainly and it doesn't. Well, it does say it more plainly than we realize, and that's actually what we're going to cover in our next podcast. But for now, we're just noting the fact that Phoebe was a deacon or a leader, which actually gives me just kind of a springboard to talk just about one thing, and that is that the New Testament has these words like pastor, um, shepherd, Mm -hmm. um, overseer. Well, that's the NIV word. It's a caregiver. And deacon, servant, minister, which in some places it's translated minister. So you have these words that are, I like to say they're a little on a spectrum. They're a little blurry. We, in the history of Christianity, 
have taken some of these words that it almost seems more like they're describing a function rather than defining an office or a role. Or uh, So instead of being like, this word is a role, this person's stuck in it, we have this person and these particular words describe what they're doing. Yes. Ah, very good, Mike. Yep. And that's a whole nother podcast that we really don't, I mean, I think I just want to make sure that we go out there and say that because... As churches got organized, yes, Paul did say, here's a person who's a deacon. Here's a person who's an elder. Mm -hmm. He did say that. But then you have these other words that in our English language end up being things like shepherd, because pastor is technically the shepherd word. Mm -hmm. And then you have overseer, which is a caregiving word. And then you have this prohistomy, which is a director. It is right. a, it's a controller. It's a person that's directing things and you know so churches some churches have directors but they have no they're, they're not tying it to this concept necessarily but in function they're doing the same thing mm -hmm. and so in these things women are found to be leaders and they're doing it well and they're doing it with the recognition of an apostle mm -hmm. yeah without comment so we got examples of that in the new testament we have it in like the end of the 1800s, beginning of the 1900s, and then also personally in your guys' life mm -hmm. of women influencing, bringing people to Christ, leading churches, teaching. teaching. Right. Other church, because we're in a non-denominational world mm -hmm. for, you know, our, our experience, um, but there are the, some of the older denominations like the Roman Catholic Church that have women through the centuries who were influencers and who spoke in a way that they were recognized as being guided by God. And many of those eventually after their death were recognized as saints because of their great influence. Yeah. And so people in the Catholic church, as well as in very many non-denominational and evangelical churches and Methodist churches and some of the other main lines will quote various Catholic women hmm. as saying something significant to an issue or to an encouragement and, and model their spiritual life after yeah. those women. Now, we, we can say, well, they're not a leader, but good grief, they are a leader. If we're mm -hmm. modeling after their pattern, they're leading us. Yeah. And so we have to just kind of say, well, that happens all the time. The New Testament doesn't forbid it. The New Testament does have a couple of things that it it forbids but let's just realize that women lead all the time and many women through the centuries and the past decades have led without the title yeah which honestly is probably a better deal it'd be nice if men would just quit worrying about the titles as well <laughs> stop worrying about titles and just lead yes mm -hmm. <laughs> So that's really the overview of this is that that basic thing about the prophet Joel being quoted by the apostle Peter on the very first day that the church began mm -hmm. and saying that it is going to be men and women. It's going to be the sons and daughters who the spirit visits on and the spirit gifts. And so really it's not so much to say, can women be leaders? But it really is. Some leaders are women huh, yeah. and some leaders are men. Mm-hmm. 
It's not if, it is they are. And women have been great leaders through the ages and have influenced many, many people. And have, and have and have established churches as we saw, and right. we just took a little tiny sample. Yeah, yeah, it's a tiny sample. Right, there would have been a lot more than. Yeah. That never got written down in the Christian Standard. <laughs> <laughs> and so next podcast, we're going to dive into this just a little bit deeper. Right, and in that podcast, uh, I've invited my friend Scott Stocking to come, and he is got a lot more knowledge of New Testament Greek than I do. And he has some interesting insights that really help us along on this way. And they have to do with translation. So on that second podcast, um, it's going to be a little more technical because at really at some point in this conversation, because of the overemphasis on a two or three passages that, that give restrictions to women, mm-hmm. Those passages in the minds of many people and in the practice of many churches have been, they rise clear to the top as the prevailing guiding passage and therefore are used to negate these other passages that we've been referencing. And so that's Mm -hmm. why we're going to spend a little bit of time doing that. Yeah, so if you want to listen to our next one, it's going to be a little dense. It's going to be a little different. We'll have Scott Stocking. Um, so it'll be my dad, my mom, and Scott are going to be talking about it. I'm going to be sitting this one out so you can uh, kind of just really dig in and hear, uh, this very dense teaching, but it'll be really good. Especially if you're one of those people that are thinking like, oh, I know this verse that goes against a lot of what's being said right now. It would be a really good one to to listen to and just kind of hear another perspective on those as we uh, dig into it deeper. That's right. That's what we're looking forward to. Right. So if you have questions in the meantime, you can always uh, email us at nogod at tonykafka.com, K-N-O-W-G-O-D, at T-O-N-Y-K-A-F-K-A dot com. Yep, and also check out uh, Dad's blog while you're there, and there'll be more information on there. <laughs>